decoded. Welcome to this episode of Founder Tech Decoded. I'm delighted to talk today to Francesco with Silicon Roundabout. I think of all the people we talked to, Francesco has a unique perspective built the largest community of uh, founders in Europe and then recently transitioning to setting up a Silicon Roundabout Ventures, a fund dedicated to early stage investment, particularly around deep tech. So it's a pleasure to have Francesco on the show because as he's decided to make that transition and launch the fund, he's essentially starting with a fresh piece of paper, which is one of the hypotheses of Founder Tech Decoded is what does venture look like if you start anew with a fresh piece of paper, looking at all the tools available, looking at all of, I guess, the competitors in the venture landscape. How do you launch your fund in, in a way that is relevant and now? And being able to launch that fund based on community, I think, is very, very unique, particularly a community like Silicon Roundabout. So, Francesco, welcome to the podcast. Thank you very much for being on the show. No, thanks for, for having me. Um, let, let's just start. I'm sure you've done this many times, but the backstory for Silicon Roundabout. How, how does an Italian in London end up sort of uh, launching and developing, you know, the largest startup founder community? Well, precisely, I guess, because I'm Italian and I and I came to London and I didn't know anyone. So I am a software engineer, a computer scientist, and I came over here and as a junior in software engineer. I wanted to connect with with other people in tech, and uh, met a couple of couple of people, Paul and Luis. Uh, that uh, you know, Luis Luis started this this meetup page, Silicon Roundabout, uh, and Paul had joined him to help. Um, and and so I thought I'd, I'd join to help and and grow the meetup. Then uh, Luis left. Um, you might you know have heard of businesses that he founded successfully, like. Uh, the London FinTech Week uh, was run by by the consulting business he, he ran and sold. Uh, Paul instead um, did his own startup uh, alongside that community, and I grew my my career. And it was around about four or five yeah four four or five years ago that I uh, kind of took the reins of this meetup to, on one side, make it more focused and in particularly around uh, deep tech which uh, is uh, it's a weird term at the time we were, we were not even using that because I guess I don't know if did did it exist I don't even know and but but what we started to focus on were infrastructure technologies that required heavy R&D and building entire systems from scratch and the, the in a way the more complex the better the more, the bolder yeah better and so as the community focused more and more on that, uh, more and more people resonated and joined. And so the mix has always been engineers, founders wanting to build tech, uh, which over the years, like I said, especially around 2016, 17, it started to really veer heavily towards deep tech. And, you know, if, if I had to say today, I would probably say the larger deep tech meetup in Europe, just because, um, you know, it's a free meetup to join, but really the focus on all of the events and all of the attention is for deep tech founders. Can I ask you a question around the deep deep tech founders? Um, is that 
for example, um, for some context, so a couple of episodes back, we had a founder of something called Untap, and they analyze um, sewage for so that you can kind of get uh, uh, ahead of things like COVID being in the, so you're in a co-working space like I am at the moment, you can analyze the sewage and understand way ahead of anything else, the signals leading to kind of critical diseases and, and problems in, 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 in the water flow and in the community. And they were sort of very serious people with, you know, really deep uh, credentials um I, I i'm i'm assuming that you know and they, and they are building everything from scratch you know and and i'm assuming that would classify as deep tech and I, the reason i find those those opportunities so interesting and i'd really love to get your view on this is that i think that a lot of the sort of SaaS b2b um b2c um low-hanging fruit is disappearing like there's just less and less of that quality deal flow and opportunity so you can you can like chuck a load of money at just in time groceries but there's you know a couple of people are going to win that and it's not that innovative and it's hard to achieve the scale and get the capital that you need but the actual problem itself isn't that hard or complex whereas i'm assuming within deep tech what's attractive and you've sort of hinted this just now is that you you are you are underneath the surface of kind of common problems you know, at one layer or two layer down. And so if you can solve those through R&D or innovation or, you know, uh, any kind of insight driven process that's really fundamentally hard and reduces hard outputs, not just hardware, but hard outputs, there is a lot more opportunity uh, potentially in that space. Would, would that be correct or, or have I misunderstood? Yes, actually, that you have pretty much summarized one of the key pillars of of my investment my personal investment thesis right. i mean i've been angel investing for a couple of years now and uh, and now transitioning into this fund which is precisely that i think for the last there has been a huge wave of internet exploitation the famous infamous 90s that led to uh, great businesses being found um found but also um, founded, but also the, the the infamous bubble of the dot-com mania, and then after that, the bubble crashed, uh, and and we saw a, a next generation of of the internet, so to speak, being exploited. And but today we got to the point, and there is actually some research I even uh, wrote about it in, in my blog that there is some research showing how there was a a, a, sp- a specific moment in time, in 2018, where despite the cost of building businesses digital businesses specifically kept going down and it keeps going down there are Mm. more and more no-code tools coming up which are great everything is great and the costs keep going down Um, of course the the storage online storage is going down and that was something that amazon foresaw when they basically um, single-handedly created the cloud market with aws But in 2018, the cost effectiveness of doing a digital business started to go up. So it was it was coming down and it's been coming down since the beginning of the Internet until in 2018, it changed direction. And now it's actually increasingly going up. The the explanation that I gave myself is because when it becomes so cheap that everybody can just do it and you start to see plenty of copycat apps all over the place and and there is not really any more like you just said. Uh, R&D differentiation at core level, and you've got APIs. You know, I remember back in the days when, for example, in the UK, Monzo and Revolut and TransferWise and Starling were literally starting pin the, the neobank 
revolution that today spread all over the world. But yeah. if today, and they had to build the infrastructure from scratch, yeah. so a lot of credit to them. And, you know, we're not even talking about proper deep tech in this case, but today, if you wanted to do a new bank and, and people are doing it, you just use a bunch of APIs and don't code interfaces and you've got this a similar product, but probably not as much as good as what they built because of course they developed everything in-house, but you can do it and there are people doing it. And so they're competing for the same market with not so much uh, of a differentiating element. Um, and I think that's happening across the SaaS spectrum. And so I totally agree with you. I think the only real differentiator today are people that are taking bolder steps and because the internet has been vastly exploited then the only other alternative is going back to hardware or or, or or a very very tiny niche within the software spectrum where you're literally coming up with new algorithms for example in cybersecurity, making feasible to compute something on today's machines um, like certain type of algorithms that Theoretically are possible, mathematic, ma mathematically are possible, but they're not computationally uh, feasible. And so, for example, somebody that invents stuff there still has an edge. But as for everybody else, of course, money will be made. Of course, VG VC is going to grow, but I totally agree with you. It's probably not going to be um, a new gold era of VC. Time will tell if we are right thinking that deep tech actually can be that new golden era of VC for the next 10 years or so. Yeah, and there's another aspect to this, which is, you know, we we have we have problems that are harder and harder to solve in order to transition, I guess, to unlock huge growth in economies. Um, we won't dive into sort of a clean tech or anything like that kind of conversation. But if we're going to solve problems at scale, I guess, you know, the pandemic was a really good kind of cauldron for people using deep deep learning deep tech expertise to solve real problems you know i think the, the way that that inflects vc appetite has to be interesting because if there are less and less you know these low-hanging fruit you, you're going to have to you're going to have to develop a point of view and invest at that point of view and that's where i think the rise of things like this you know solo capitalists that have are basically acting as funds, or you can call them founder-driven capital, another term that comes up. But let's go with solo capitalists, I think it's a better term. You know, they have 30, 40 million, let's say, dollars under management, um, a lot of it their own capital, and can invest via their point of view, via, via their own market expertise, via their own instincts, via their own portfolio, via their own desire to change something. And as you said, because of the cost of launching is, is very, very low, you can hit the ground running when those two sort of forces meet, where you have a founder that has a deep tech expertise, um, can get going quite quickly and, and mobilize that, that expertise quite quickly. Let's just say towards, you know, understanding research or customers, just as an example. And then you have a solo capitalist that comes along and says, I really get what you're doing and I can sufficiently analyze and understand you enough to kind of get get your point of differentiation, get your value, get what, 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 what could be unlocked here. You've got a really potent brew there that I don't think is mirrored in, in a lot of early stage cap, venture capital where there isn't that, that that understanding. And I'm assuming you set up the fund um, because you wanted to back those kinds of people. Is, is Would that be right and kind of take advantage of those opportunities and those market trends and timing? Yeah, sure. I mean, I think you're totally right. Uh, there is one one caveat there, and by the way, I'm totally uh, in agreement and I'm extremely bullish on 
the deconstruction of vent of traditional venture capital, which is happening for things like solo managers. I mean, in a way, I'm I'm also you know not exactly like you know solo um, VC because I do have the community team supporting me, like yeah. well, Rohita and Deep. Um, but I'm the solo manager, and so effectively, the 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 fundraising and the investment committee. Um, you know that that's my fun in a way so in in many aspects i am launching it on my own and i'm leading it um for others i'm not the the key point though is that and that's a reflection is is just something to consider is that despite all the best efforts from us uh, let's say entrepreneurial vcs that are trying to do something new it's concerning that irrespective of the number of vcs going up in irrespective of the sectors and uh, they're now being looked, which is great. The capital being allocated continues to increase in concentration. And that is just something that I want to point out because mm -hmm. on one side, I still feel extremely optimistic. I'm building this firm from scratch. I'm at ground zero today. I've done the first investment. We're launching right now, literally as we speak. And at the same time, you know, you look up and you realize that there are trillions out there that are skewed towards only a handful and by a handful i literally mean like you know a few tens of funds around the world and that is something concerning because to your point how effective can that venture capital be when there is still an investment team of just a few tens of people or even a hundred people and it's it's only one fund and a fund that does only a handful of tickets um i think that is a, an open problem that needs to be solved. I think we need to find a way for that capital to be better distributed uh, across the ecosystem. On the flip side, the opportunities are growing and I think the capillar reach of new funds being set up across sectors is great because you know a generalist traditional fund is not going to be able to look at, I don't know, hardware photonics. Uh, and you've got to need to back those businesses because you need this type of businesses to solve the big challenges you touched upon before. Yeah. So let, let's bring that to a, a, a next kind of point of discussion where you, you mentioned just before we pressed record that you, when you were setting up the fund, you used a piece of what we would call founder tech, Vauban, to help you launch that fund. Can you talk about how you arrived at, at that founder tech? You know, what, what made you use it? what it's given you, what it's enabled you to accelerate, you know, enabled, and I'm assuming again, that has enabled you to, by it, it doing what it does, has enabled you to focus on actually on what you want to do. But could you just talk about that kind of experience and, and how you evaluated using it and what that's been like? Yes, absolutely. So um, I'm using Vauban. Actually, you know, if they're if they're listening to, thanks Remy and, and cool. Ulrich, uh for for supporting me and, and, and building this piece of tech. It's effectively something that in a way um in the us you're seeing it happening with angel lists um and in europe voban is kind of the response to that uh there is also another platform uh, that i know it exists called odin but yeah. i chose voban i mean one reason was that in the uk which is where i'm domiciling my fund voban allows you to own the general partner and to get your own fca license and effectively use the platform but be fully independent yeah. which is something that angel list uh does not do um i'm not sure about odin but again for the uk uh this this setup for me was the most 
uh, friendly to, to me as a user. The, the usage so far has been great in certain aspects. Others are still kind of to be improved and that in a way, I guess, it's frustrating, but it's also expected out of uh, a new new business, new technology. They are working really hard to address uh, those points where, you know, let's say, and those points are mostly in a way led by the other side. So, you know, if founders sometimes complain that VCs, especially the older VCs or the more private equity minded VCs are, they don't get, they don't get them, they don't get founders. I mean, you've got to, 10x if not 50x that uh, to de to deal with the investors in VCs, the limited partners or LPs, uh, because they are used to uh, and they do work ongoingly with lawyers and traditional systems and and so Vauban is digitizing all, most of it and and it's taking a digital first approach which not everybody likes and in a way they have the money so you've got to kind of go along so i think right now they're doing a great job in, in my case specifically to to help me bridge um that gap and in a way still doing some stuff manually behind the scene to to make sure that the investors are happy i think over time as voban and the others improve their products but also as funds like mine launch uh, we're going to prove that this is feasible and i think it's inevitable that over time this is going to have to replace um, a lot of the legal works that are required that, that is based on templating and back and forth i think lawyers take the wrong approach when they feel threatened by this because for example you know we're talking before this call about seed legals which is a uk platform that does a similar job for founders it, it's only silly to think that that's killing the lawyers. It's killing the manual side. And if a lawyer is making money by overcharging for templates, then of course it's killing that type of business. Um, but lawyers should do much more than that. And I do work with lawyers and I love lawyers that can advise on the implications of signing something on the, uh, on the litigation consequences of, a, of, sorry, on the consequences of litigating an, an IP or, whether or not to file a patent or not. Uh, when it comes to basically all of this consulting aspect, I think that's what the value of real lawyers is about and, and, and everybody should be happy to pay for that. I think, you know, this type of technologies are great to get rid of all of that monkey work that and templating work that uh, it's only slowing the process down. And ultimately, you know, it's, it doesn't really benefit anybody. So I mean, that's been my experience and it's it's making it's making possible my fund because it's a very small fund it's a, effectively you're going to invest like a super angel and it is investing like a super angel in deep tech last ticket was two hundred and fifty thousand pounds um it wouldn't be possible to run this infrastructure on my own having to pay top dollars for even just getting a template document or the flip on the same side on the same side you know it's, it's it's a new technology it's a new way of doing business and i think investors are still adapting and there's still some work you've got to do behind the scenes to make sure that in the end you get the things done uh, and a lot of it i guess is just people getting used to this to this system yeah you've touched on almost like the two key points of founder tech they, they come up again and again is that one it's not about replacing the high functions. It's about making efficient and using technology to replace the low functions. So your example of 
uh, a template. <laughs> it's almost like the most generic, uh, perfect example of that. Like a lawyer provides no value whatsoever, and it just it's so good that that's gone out of the market largely. You know where they're paying for boilerplate stuff. And the, there's no value and founder tech operates brilliantly there right in that space because exactly as you said you know what you want your lawyer to do is the high value stuff where they're advising you i love the way you said it, on the implications of signing something just in that word alone the implications is the human bit that it has the most value value and so what i love about the space is that it kind of elevates those behaviors across whatever whenever it's used that's what it does and the other thing that it does is it enables you to do something kind of at scale quickly uh, in a way that you previously would have had to, it might have been almost out of, the, out, out of the, um, reach for you to launch that fund in such an agile way with, you know, with, with the resources that you had, which would have had to mean that it would have taken longer, you'd have had to kind of make it, um, I guess, heavier in terms of workload and uh, people that you needed. So this ability, and you know, Seed Eagles is a really good, CFAS is a good example, but you know, they call it agile funding, I think for a reason, in that it, it, it increases that fluidity, increase, increases, you know, right, I want to start a fund, right, I'm going to go to Bourbon, right, I'm going to do this, okay, right, I'm, I'm sure you are up and running quite quickly. Like you said, there's a learning curve, it doesn't replace a lot of things, relationships with investors, things like that, but you could make that decision and act quite quickly. And in doing so, I think, capitalize on, you know, the community that, that you spend ages building. And so that ability to kind of, again, transform things through founder tech so it can do something else quite quickly. Um, it's, it, it's almost like, and I've never described it before like this, it's almost like the APIs of the venture system. You know, it's like, it's like the way that it flows. If we can stick these things in it, it's just going to flow a lot better and do these kind of lower function things much, much better. And I think what you've described in, in, embodies that really, um, whether, whether whether you would call it that or not. Like I say there's a lot on the podcast. It's it's really embodying um, what, what founder tech does well. I think we're, when it when it steps over that line and tries to do things that you know that that, that humans and high, those high value functions do better, that's what makes it really really interesting. Um, what I was going to ask you was, do you think you acting as you said, like I know you're not quite, but like, you, essentially you're acting as a solo capitalist um, and coming from a community. When you're talking to founders that you're interested in, do you think that inflects and affects the way that you approach that founder, um, and I'm not looking to A, B against specific names, but what do you think when you are talking to that founder, you have a different mentality based on the journey that you've taken to kind of get to that founder conversation and be in a position to be able to invest in? Do you, do you, think, do you think your mindset is different? And if so, how, how do you think it is? Uh, to be fair, I'm not sure because I'm an outsider. And, you know, in a way, um, I've never worked in a VC firm before, so I'm building my own based on serving the community. In a way, I'm using a tool. And part of why I think it's needed is and not just me. I know other people that, for example, were, you know, they had insights or certain types of access to founders or certain relationships with founders, and they are doing great, um, doing maybe not my sector, but other sectors, uh, very precisely because they take a different approach. So I have very little to compare internally. Externally, I think so, because one one interesting anecdote about my last investment, which you know is the first one we've done as a fund, was that when we asked the founder, you know, what 
what was the reason why they wanted us on board and they in a way they they did make it happen because the fund wasn't live i mean the fund is launching right right now so it's actually not a not not live as of today today of the recording is probably going to be live actually most likely at this point by the time this goes out but but at the time it wasn't and so we had to get an investor to advance the money we had to sign um agree some effectively options for the fund to get it back and the company agree and and we had to all do all this mess when the round was effectively filled they had to force other investors not to take the whole allocation and let leave you know st- space for us to do our ticket and they did that for you know potentially i guess the value add of connecting to the community but when it came to an- to answering that question on the spot the first thing the founder said wasn't even that it wasn't even about oh you have a great community or you can b- give me value other than money it was actually because it was like oh we had so many great chats about our technology we love your vision uh, yeah. and you hustling for us uh, and wanting and wanting this product to happen just as bad as we do and that trend you know came out of of our conversations that on my side those conversations led me to the decision to invest on their side is fascinating because it got them to the decision of wanting me to invest and so i think in general for solo capitalists or, or people that effectively act as much in the sense for instance founders would always have the first call to me uh, and we would then as a team from the community side try to add value and do due diligence but eventually people i would be responsible for saying yes or no and they can see that almost like an angel on top of that my personal choice was not to need to follow our ticket size means that a pre-seed we might even end up end up leading hasn't happened yet because uh, this check uh, this check was in a seed round but i don't have any problems with leading a pre-seed and at seed i also don't have any problem committing to the check irrespective of a lead being in place or not of course when the pr goes out it's normally the people that put a million or so that will get defined as a lead but for founders it's refreshing to basically effectively going down a path where it leads them to either understand you know, seeing eye to eye with me or not. And if we both do, then as, as long as we have capital to deploy, then that, that's a check for them. And I think there is that understanding there is less transactional, it's less operational, it's less financial. Um, it's more about the commonality of the vision and, and being aligned into this opportunity, becoming a billion dollar business in, in the future. I think that makes a lot of difference. I don't know how the incumbents are responding. Uh, I do know that you know sometimes it happened in the past with the community that I would send a deal to an analyst and it would never get anywhere. I would send it to a partner and I would get and it would get done. So you know that was pre me being an angel and pre now having a fund. Um, but I do think that when you run your own VC and that could potentially apply to bigger VCs as well, you are more of a founder yourself and just because of that you've been through the pains of fundraising you, you tend to have a different maybe outlook on the world and that's not something that is easily solved because every organization needs people needs a strong team so yeah and that's an open question also for me in the future how am i going to grow uh, without leaving the roots that's um, a, that was going to be question. my question and yeah. then to kind of start to wrap up you know um that that is my question really. How how do you see it? You you know, firstly, how should people approach you? 
um, like what's the best way if they're listening to this going, hey, I've got deep tech, I'd love to talk to Francesco. What's what's the best way of doing that? We'll put the link in the in the notes. I'd love to get the link to the research that you said earlier, the, the blog that you blogged about. Oh um, yeah, I'm happy to send it to you. Yeah, that would be awesome. And and but what I'm interested in is when you extrapolate out from today to let's say to 2024, 2025, when kind of because it's because of the way your fund has been created. Um, where do you see it landing, you know, in two, three years, once it really has a shape and you've made a, you know, a whole series of investments and there's a portfolio? What, what, what would you ideally like it to be known for? Um, yeah, and then kind of like the, in the same way as I guess Silicon Roundabout is known in the community, how do you want the fund to be known in the community? And then there's a separate question, how should anybody kind of like uh, approach you that's interested? I want to be able to enable really advanced innovation uh, through a, a a mixture of access to capital and commu- and connections, because effectively real meaningful connections is what makes a community. A community at the end of the day is just the, the sum of all the connections. So I think the idea of the fund and what I want to use the fund for is to superpower the community, to be able to dedicate even more time to the community and to grow the, the community aspect. Because as a fund, we're only going to be able to write in every single cohort you know, a bunch of tickets, uh, you know, 25 tickets, let's say, you know, but, and that, you know, might change up or down depending on doing mathematical models and maybe changing my mind on that or not, or it's going to stay the same. But the question is, can you provide connections and can you create an ecosystem where if I'm not investing, then somebody else may? Uh, right now, I'm particularly bullish on, you know, photonics, uh, sorry, on, on semiconductors, including photonics applications, on material science, on those advanced algorithms where you can make feasible some computations that were not fees- been, you know, they were not feasible before with current state-of-the-art models you can just plug and play. Uh, and of course, hardware, robotics, anything in that sector. I think deep tech is going to open up more and more and more fields. Um, like space now is interesting let's see how that develops so i think eventually we're gonna need to find a way to evolve as well uh, as deep tech becomes the new tech and it's gonna have bunch of sub branches beneath it i think um, that is how i see the fun growing however always trying to stay truth uh, true to that community uh, in terms of reaching out to me i mean i'm on linkedin if you do reach out just add a note because guess found a lot of people just just connect without knowing if you're not in deep tech you're not a european founder i can't help you so you know no point but if you are just tell me why um otherwise there is the silicon roundabout ventures uh website where actually you can submit the whole pitch deck and send a proper thing it comes to us and you're automatically joining the community or you can just join the community and come to the events um which is again on 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 the community website and event right you just sign up you come and i think yeah, that's the one, how you can contact me, and two, how we want to stay true to ourselves by continuing to empower founders with connections and through the communities with in-person events, um, potentially scaling into other directions as well, but always to try and foster connections amongst founders and between founders and the stakeholders that, that can help them, investors being just one of them. Well, that's a great place to finish. Um... Thank you so much, Francesco. I, I genuinely really, really believe in what you're doing. I think the fact that it's come out of the community, I think the outlook, I think the fact where you set up the fund, I really think it's the future of venture, like that, that if we could have lots of people behaving in that way, leveraging their insight and actually what they believe in, 
um, and backing founders that are solving really, really hard problems. I think we, we could be in a really interesting place in a few years. So thank you so much for sharing that story and that, that insight. I, I really appreciate it. Thank, thank to you, Dan. It's been great being here.